thank you guys for being here tonight. Like Jed said, we're going to do a little bit of a recap of what we experienced at the 710 retreat. So I know not everybody was able to go. So I don't want you to be bummed out. You're like, oh man, here we go. We're going to talk about something I didn't get to mention. And, and the reason that I wanted to do this is because for us, uh, historically, and, and this year was no different, uh, the retreat really is a catalytic moment for this community. It's like a, it's a um, kind of trajectory setting moment for what I think God wants to do for us uh, and through us and in us uh, the rest of the year. So we, we're just going to share some kind of highlights from that, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time kind of praying through some of those things, and then we're going to continue to worship together. But we wanted to, as best as we could just kind of bring you along to some of the things that um, we saw and experienced from our vantage point and really just kind of encourage you in those things. Let me pray real quick for us and then um, I'll ask Shannon to kind of start us off. God, um, what an amazing truth we just sang and um, God, it's such a good word for us tonight to know that light has come into the world and that darkness cannot overcome it. And God, um, for some of us, that's extremely personal because of a a personal darkness that we feel in. Um, God, for others of us, we're looking at the darkness that surrounds us in the world. And God, in in a place that looks like there is no hope, hope has broken through and is here. So, God, we, we really do tonight just want to continue that, that theme. And, God, continue that truth. And so would you guide our conversation, I pray. And, Jesus, would you be more famous in our hearts and in our lives because of the time that we have spent together tonight. I thank you for your goodness, Father. I thank you for your provision and your care. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would move with power in these next few moments. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. You're the king above all kings. Amen. So I asked Shannon if he would, just kind of from his perspective, just share a few kind of things that you noticed at the retreat that were really just encouraging to you and what you would say are kind of some of the highlights from from the the weekend. Uh, Right on, man. Thank you so much, uh, Paul, for allowing me to do this. But uh, so... There was two things, honestly, that really stood out um, as I was did a lot of the stuff from behind the scenes and just really engaging um, the, the the community, um, you know, more of a, on a individualistic kind of kind of setting. And so, the first thing uh, I think all of us can attest to was that uh, the messages that Tim brought were just spot on um, each night. Uh, and, and I, my, in my personal life, um, I feel like Tim was talking just to me. If it was just me and him in the room, it, I feel like that's, that's how personal it, it, it got. And uh, so those were incredible. And then uh, the second thing, as far as a highlight, I would say um, just watching the, the entire community of 710 in action. And what I mean by that is there was a, there was a lot of new um, seven teners that had only been to seven ten maybe one or two times um, had never been to the camp before and and watching them um, just uh, intermingle with folks who've been here for years 
and and and, and it is this seamlessly uh, connection of old and new. I don't want to throw old and young, but there, some of y'all is old, so I mean, just <laughs> just throw it out there. But uh, just watching everyone in in community was just so so super encouraging. And there, there's one story I do want to share, Paul. Um, when we were doing our having our free time, and those free times, we, I know we didn't really talk th- through it as far as what they were. The, the intentionality of the free times, but you guys, I'm telling you, you rallied around it, and you, for those who were new, I mean, you were already engaging with one another, and so that was a win within itself, but uh, we was in the uh, coffee shop, and, and uh, Eddie was leading this kind of discussion, Bible study deal, and Jonathan, and, uh, and, a, and a guy who hadn't been around much uh, named Craig, and, and these guys started sharing, you know, their stories and kind of what they've been going through. And um, Eddie was talking about his brother uh, who's now, you know, grew up in the church, grew up, same household as Eddie. Eddie is one of our most faithful brothers in the, in the faith, in the Lord. And, yeah, that deserves a... <laughs> one of the most faithful men I've ever met and, and, and his brother... Uh, not following the Lord, not not believing, and, and that that sparked Craig to have a conversation and and begin to share about how for ten years his mom prayed for him as he was pretty much a, a self-proclaimed atheist, and how just two months ago he just got saved and the persistence in in his in the prayers, yeah. And, and and honestly, uh, Eddie, I know I didn't I didn't tell you this, but I'll tell you now, brother. I stumbled on that. I didn't I didn't really want to go in there um, and, and sit down with y'all boys. I was just trying to see what y'all was doing. But the but the, yeah, but the conversations were so enriched. I, I just had to pull up a seat and and hearing hearing how things begin to unfold. Honestly, I I was so encouraged, and I had more more times to share and and spend with. Uh, countless other uh, seven tenors, but those two things for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, were the highlights of my time uh, at, at the at the retreat. So, hmm. that's cool. What um, one of the things, and and kind of just to kind of connect to that is, <clears throat> I've always just loved like the community of seven ten, meaning like it feels like the kind of place where it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter um, your journey or process of faith or where you are with Jesus, this is a place where you're accepted and welcome, and there's like a lot of different kind of stories and streams that seem to kind of converge into one place. Uh, I was talking to somebody before, and I was just, before 710 tonight actually, and I was saying, you know, there just seems to be a lot of stories of people who come from really difficult pasts, like pasts that have just a lot of really messy things, or even they're, they're currently going through a lot of like really messy things. And it's kind of like, uh, and he was just asking me, he's like, why do you think that is? And I said, well, I think it's because 12 years ago when I started here, I, I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I was pretty sure of one prayer. 
And that prayer was, Lord, um, make 710 a hospital. Um, I should have said, please don't make it a psych ward, but <laughs> I want it to be like a, hosp a hospital. No offense, I love you guys. <laughs> um, and, um, and God has been super faithful to do that. I, I, as long as God allows me to participate in this community, I would love for it to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, the, the retreat for me just allows me to see that more up close and personal. You know, Tuesday nights, I love how when we gather together. I love the opportunity to share from God's word. I love hearing other people preach from God's word. I love um, the worship and the singing and that time together. Um, but we don't always get as much time, you know, just kind of hanging out and sitting down hearing stories. And I got to sit with several of you. I know you did as well. Um, and just to kind of hear what God has done, what God's doing um, and to be able to pray towards what God would do in the future. It's like, I really love that. I, I, I mentioned this at the retreat, but I was telling Lauren there, I said, the retreat's one of those things for me that just it was a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is why you do this, because you get to see what God is, is doing and how God really is moving in pretty beautiful ways. Um, if you have a Bible, open to Romans 8 real quick. Um, this... <clears throat> Shannon mentioned Tim's messages, and they, they really were great, and they're, all the podcasts are up um, online, so if you wanted to listen to, um, if you wanted to listen to any of those talks, those are all available right now. Romans chapter 8, this was not one of the passages that, ta that Tim taught through, but just to kind of give you a flyover of where he went and, and why I think it was such a, just a powerful word for us over the weekend, um, I, I asked Tim, I said, I, I really want us to talk about freedom um, and the freedom that we have in Christ, and specifically the freedom that we have f from love, meaning, or, the, or freed by love. Um, and so he talked about um, how love frees us from worry and anxiety, which I think was just so good for us. Um, how love frees us from the fear of man, meaning like we have this pressure, this cultural, societal pressure. Plus, there's just a pressure, I think, that's just inside of us to where, and I use this phrase on Sunday, that we live these filtered lives. So, like, we all kind of, like, have these filters over our lives like you do in social media, Snapchat or whatever, like, so that your life looks a certain way. And the stress of living a filtered life is literally killing us um, and killing us as a, as a nation, as a generation of, of young people. Um, and so he was talking about how the love of God really frees us from living under that fear of man, fear of, like, have I performed enough to be accepted? Um, and then lastly, um, the story out of Luke 15 of the prodigal son and how um, the, the, just describing the love of God as a, as a loving father um, and just the love, the, this extravagant love of God in spite of our failures. So... Um, Really powerful, but this this section of Romans chapter eight, verse fifteen, um, and down to seventeen. I, I I shared this on Sunday because I really feel like this little these two verses here, these three verses, 
really, for me, kind of encapsulated what Tim was bringing um, about knowing how much we are loved and the freedom that comes from that. So listen to the words of the Apostle Paul here. Listen to what he says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So now Paul is describing a very particular type of person. So this is a person that says, I'm a child of God meaning I'm a Jesus follower, right? I, I'm, I'm a Christian, however you want to describe that. And verse 15, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So Paul is helping those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who are children of God, and he's saying, look, if you want to be concrete and solid about your relationship, about your status, about who you are, the Spirit of God inside of you testifies, uh, solidifies, gives you a title for both you and God, right? So it doesn't say the Spirit testifies and gives you the title, say, boss, or manager, or coach, or whatever, fill in the blank. No, he gives this extremely intimate term. The, 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 the way that it's usually kind of described when it's taught, it would be like, you know, daddy or papa, like, or whatever, this super intimate, affectionate term for your father. Paul, Paul's drawing on that, and he's saying, that's, that's how you identify with God and God identifies with you as one of his precious children. He says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're children, we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And so what Paul's just saying, look, you have all of the rights. You have all, you have all, the, you have all the rights of a child. I, I think I've talked in here before, like how my kids have a special kind of access with me. Shannon's kids have a special kind of access with him that nobody else has. Um, and we have that with our father. We have a special kind of access that nobody else has. There, there, there's, a, there's a future involved. An heir is somebody who inherits something, right? So there's an inheritance. There's a, there's a future for those of us who are children of God that those who are not do not have. And so Paul's really trying to, to help us and give us this full 4K, super high definition, completely well-orbed, 360-degree understanding of who we are and how much we are loved as children of God. And, and, and I wrote this kind of thing, like why I feel like that's so important and how it connects to what Tim brought to us um, or what God brought to us through Tim. Because knowing that you are loved leads to knowing who you are. Knowing that you are loved, and that and I use this phrase in here a lot, that your belovedness is not in jeopardy. Your belovedness is not at risk. Everybody in this room, at least by this point in your life, you've been in a relationship where you were unsure about if you were accepted by this person who maybe said that they were, or you were unsure if you were truly and fully loved by somebody who maybe said that they were. Maybe it was a parent which is why maybe this doesn't, is not helpful for you. But here's the thing. God is not a reflection of your imperfect father, right? He is the 
embodiment. He is the description of a perfect father. So if you look at, if you hear all this and you're like, my dad was the worst. So this imagery, this language does not work for me. He's not a reflection of that dad. Even if your dad's the best dad on the planet earth, he's not even a reflection of that dad. He, he's the description of the perfect father. Perfect father with perfect love towards you. And knowing that you are loved and that belovedness is not at risk, is not at jeopardy. That's why that story that Luke shared out of, or that Tim shared out of Luke 15 is so just, incredible. It's, it's a story that's so familiar to us. This prodigal son story gets the inheritance. He says, dad, hey, I know you're not dead, but I wish you were dead. So let's just act like you're dead so I can have my money and go and run away and waste it. And that's exactly what he does. And then he kind of comes to his senses, the scripture says, and he goes home and the father runs at him and he's probably thinking this dude's going to knock me out. But no, instead he embraces him and throws a huge party, right? Beautiful, beautiful story, beautiful story. Um, but, but, but that, that, the belovedness of the son, even though he took that inheritance, even though he disgraced his father, the father still embraces, embraces him. Knowing you're loved like that has a, special kind of, has a special kind of something to it, doesn't it? I mean, if, if, if you've been in a relationship where you're like, I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I'm, I'm secure in that. It pales in comparison to what this kind of love and acceptance is. So it's so key. It's so critical, which is why, um, you know, I, I wanted him to start with this whole idea of, the, of love, this truth, this concept of love. So, so knowing that you're loved in that way leads to identity, knowing who you are. Um, so my wife and I, Shannon and his wife, we wear these, we wear these rings both as a reminder. <laughs> it's real nice. Why do you do it like that? Well, first of all, I, I know, but Jesse, why, not, why not go like up like no, this? No, because I mean, that seems all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Notice I yeah, have Yeah, I know, but she says, put your hand up. <laughs> you ain't right. even showing No, your... we're not going to get into it right now, bro. But notice my ring is white and his is black. Y'all see what's going on up here? <laughs> sorry. I'm, we're digressing. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a whole nother talk, bro. But it, that means something, too. Um, man, I had a really powerful point I was about to make. <laughs> um, but no, these, these rings um, are identifiers to other people that we belong to someone else. Um, but in many ways, they are, and I, they, they um, share, they, they, they talk, they remind us of an identity that we have as husbands or wives as, as wives, right? So um, there, there's, a, there's a place in Scripture, I forget the verse right now, but it talks about like how uh, you are the, the, the people of God are the signet ring of God, right? So it's just really just this beautiful picture of um, this intimate identity that we have with, with God, and that's exactly what a, what a wedding ring represents. But that, that identity, so I, I'm secure in my love and acceptance, and that is what shapes my identity, and, and, and the reason, Tim talked about this, the reason that like, we, we are so worried and so anxious is because we're, unsecu- we're insecure in our acceptance. 
right? We don't really know if we're loved. So now I got to try to earn love somewhere, somehow. That means I got to buy stuff or have stuff or do something or pretend to be somebody or not let you see my failures or, 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 or you know, there's a, just a whole like bucket. I mean, that's a huge like racket that we have in life to try to earn acceptance and love. And the whole reason that we're trying to do that is so that we can prop up some kind of identity. And some of us, we've gotten so sideways with all the stuff that we're trying to prop up that like, we don't know who we are anymore. Ever felt like that? You ever felt like you've kind of pursued something to such a place you're like, I don't even know like, who I really am. And so when, we, when you're secure in your love, you know who you are, and you know that you're free, right? So when I know that I'm loved, I know who I am, I can truly be free. This is, this is huge, when I know that I am a beloved son of God, and I know that my belovedness is not at risk, I can be free. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to hide. I can confess my sin one to another, and that confession makes me, treat, makes me free. That, that, conf, that, confession, that confession means I believe in the grace of God. I believe in the mercy of God. I believe in the love of God. Like, not as a concept, as an experience, like as a, as, a, as a guiding truth of my life. I'm under the grace of God. I'm under the love of my Father. I'm under the mercy of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his cross. So I can be free. I can be free to be honest. Uh, I, can be, I can be free to be who God wants me to be, um, which means I, I know that I'm purposed in life. So I know that I'm loved, I know who I am, I know that I'm free, and I know that I'm purposed. I know that I, I don't just like wander. I know we're all kind of, you are, you're kind of in this phase of life where you're like trying to figure it out and it just feels like I'm just wandering, I'm going from thing to thing, right? Like so like, I'm, yes, I'm taking classes, but I don't like any of these classes, so maybe I'll change my major. Or yes, I have this job, but I don't like this job, so maybe I'll get another job, maybe I'll move to Seattle, maybe I'll move to San Diego, maybe I'll get out of here, maybe I'll stay, who knows, whatever. We just kind of, I know you kind of feel that. Um, and, and that's part of life, especially the stage of life that you're in. But you're purposed. So yes, maybe you switch majors. God has a purpose for you in these other classes. Maybe you move to a different city. God has a purpose for you in that other city. Maybe you switch jobs. God has a purpose for you in that job. Like your, your purpose, when I know that I'm loved, when I know who I am, when I know that I'm free, I live life with a purpose. And when I live like that, I can be anxious for nothing, right? I mean, this is, this is Paul's whole, like, deal when, when, when he talks about it. He's like, look, I know God's going to provide, so I've learned how to be content. When I've got a lot of stuff, when I've got nothing. When I'm shipwrecked, when I get bit by a snake, <laughs> when I'm in prison, when, all, when I get beat up, when I get whipped, all these things. I know that I'm loved. I know who I am. I know that I'm free. And I know that I have a purpose. Which is why Paul can write this in Romans 8. He's like, you're not a slave to fear. You're not a slave to fear. It's such a, such an important word for us. Um, when we were up there on Saturday afternoon, um, 
we got word that the founding pastor of this church where you're sitting right now, um, Tom Schrader, was uh, hospice had come to his house. So Tom, um, Tom's been sick for a while and um, was dealing with some skin cancer stuff, but he got word on Friday that the skin cancer had metastasized, and so it was just kind of all over his body. And from Friday to into Saturday, just went downhill super fast. So hospice went to his house. And um, we, we got that word Saturday right before Tim got up to start his last uh, session. And um, I just was looking across the room. I shared this on Sunday up there. And I was thinking about Tom and how secure he was in who God had made him and how much God loved him and how he was free in that and how God had purposed his life in a particular way. Tom never tried to be anybody else other than who he was. Um, And he wanted everybody else around him to be the very best that that they could be um, for the glory of God, for the the good of the world, for the sake of the gospel. Um, And I looked at that room up there of the 95 or however many of us were in there. And like Tom, one of Tom's big things that he always talked about was... uh, being an influence and a blessing beyond this campus and beyond this generation. So th- this is a big church, like in the, relatively, you know, in the, in the scope of the whole country or whatever. But Tom never set out to have a big church. It was, ne- it was never the goal. Like, hey, I'm going to start a church and it's going to be a real big one. I don't, he didn't care. In fact, he, when people left, he was kind of like, good. <clears throat> You're kind of bothering me anyway. Um, but Tom wanted people to know Jesus. And so I sat in that room and I looked at a room full of people that because of, a, of, a, of, of hard work that one man had just been faithful and obedient to God, there was, a, there was another generation hearing the gospel who might take the gospel to another generation, who might take it to another generation and another generation. And... Um, so, the, you know, the, these gatherings, these things that, like, we do, like, retreats and the things, they're not, it's not just to have an event. Who cares? It's not just to have a night together. Who cares? Um, it's so that there might be something that happens out of that weekend or happens out of this room even tonight that's just this spark that sets fire across a generation. Across a generation so that, so that people would stop being a slave to fear. But they would, ha- they would be put back together with God, and they'd live in freedom. And they'd stop chasing all the things that enslave them, that we'd stop chasing all the things that enslave us, all the things that inevitably let us down and hurt us. But yet we turn to them again and again and again. But man, what, what would it be like if, 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 if we said, no, we're going we're gonna to live in freedom. We're going we're gonna to live in freedom and we're going to live like we are loved sons and daughters of God. And that's going to be our identity, and that's going to determine our purpose and our activity in this world. And I, so I, I um, Tom, Tom passed away on Sunday night, um, right after we got here. And um, it, it's one of those things where you're really sad for you, but Tom's not sad. <laughs> he's better than he's ever been. Um, but I'm so thankful for him and, 
uh, so many of you in your room, you know him. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. If you don't, can I just encourage you to something? You should come to church here on Sunday because um, we're, we're just going to talk about things that we've learned from, from Tom's life. And it, it, it would be a really powerful service. It will be a really powerful service. Uh, anyway, but it's just here, here, Tom used to always say, and this is, this is not original with him, but he said, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was not just a line that he would use. That was a way that he, um, that was a way that he led. Um, and, and when he met me 12 years ago, I mean, it was a no-name nobody from Tallahassee, Florida, which me and Shannon are the only people who know where that's even at because we're both from there, oddly enough. I think we're related somehow. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got the same smile. Oh. That's right. Um, and, um, and the guy just, yeah, I'll, I'm forever grateful for the opportunity um, yeah. Can I share something? Yes, and then we'll and then we'll end. So um, I I only got a chance. To, some of y'all may have saw my post. I only got a chance to know Tom for the past roughly two and a half three years, and I had knew of him uh, when me and my wife got married in '07. Started coming down to '710 and Sunday six and '08. And so anyway. I always say to myself that I, I want to get a chance to know this dude. Little did I know I'll be moving back out here in 2015, 16 to work at the church. So um, got a chance to see him, meet him. And when we found out that he was, t- you know, things were taking a turn for the worse, um, I, I told my wife, I said, we have to go and just spend time with this dude. This, he's, he's such an incredible Man of God, yeah, wisdom, but just a, such a people person, such a likable personality, such a such a winsome kind of guy, and and I just it was just uh, attractive in so many ways, and I just wanted to be around it. And so anyway, my wife uh, started baking him cakes and stuff, and we would take it to him and um, and and just spend time with him. And so the first time we went, um, or the first time I went over there to give it to him, addresses. Um, are usually on the houses or on the mailboxes, but in his neighborhood, they were on the street corners. And so when I was driving, I, I missed the number because I was looking for, you know, on the house or the mailbox. And so anyway, I passed by like two or three times. And so I finally get out and, I, and you know, finally found the house. And uh, I'm handling the cake with care and with diligence because my wife worked so hard to get this cake. And, and, and to perfection. And so I'm getting it out gingerly, and, and, and as I'm walking to the door, Tom opens the door. I said, oh, man, look who's at the door. He says, uh, yeah, all of our houses around here have alarms, and the alarmers when black people are in the neighborhood. And so uh, <laughs> come on in quick. See, I told you Tom loved people. Listen. I thought, I thought, like, yeah, this is the funniest dude, right? He, and, and, like, seriously, I was, like, almost about to drop this cake laughing. But he's like, no, seriously, come in. Um, so, <laughs> but, so but, but if you didn't know Tom, and you hear that kind of story, you're like, oh, damn, that's kind of that's jacked up, man. But listen to, listen to the, the words I said before. Full of wisdom was a people person 
who loved Jesus, hmm. who had been saved by grace, who experienced grace like, <laughs> like we all would imagine, and, and is now at, the, now at the, the presence of the Lord. Uh, and I'm, I am, like Paul, so many others in this room are so incredibly grateful to his ministry, uh, the, the, the man of God that he is, and just the way that he lived his life with purpose. Yeah. I wanna, I'm going to tie a bow on this real quick, and then I want us to actually pray around tables real quick, but I want to give you something. Here's, here's why I brought up Tom in the midst of trying to do a recap about what the retreat is. Because of this man's love for people and love for Jesus and love for people to know Jesus, a ministry like 710 exists, a community like 710 exists, specifically so that your generation would know that you're loved and you're cared for by the church. Um, and how just important you are in the body of Christ and in the future of the church. So that's why I bring up Tom, because that was his heartbeat. That's his vision. Um, it's expensive to keep this ministry going, um, but he always felt like it was it was a priority. Um, he did a lot of stuff early on with, with, with 710. He used to go to the retreat and do things like that. And so that, that's why I kind of interjected him. The other, part, the other reason I brought um, Tom up is because Tom lived a life of love. He lived a life of love. And my prayer for this community in, in 2019 is that we would follow the trajectory of love. And this is what I mean in that. Like, there's a question. There's a question that we are going to ask ourselves all the time. And it's, what does love require of me? Like, in, in this particular relationship, with my time, at work, at school, what, is, what does love require of me? Where does, where does love require me to pay the price for somebody else? To forgive when it's difficult to forgive. To sacrifice when it's difficult to sacrifice. To, to go the extra mile, to go that second mile, right, with someone. What, is, what does love require? That I, I gave a challenge to us on Sunday because I said we're not going to be dismissed from the retreat like we would just dismiss what happened. We're going to be sent out. And I want us to be a sent out people, sent out on the trajectory of love. Um, and I kind of posed this question. I, I said, who is not in the room right now that could be next year if you would love them? Meaning, if you would share the truth of the gospel with them. Now, that is not like a ploy just to get more people in a room because who cares? But it is a way to think about who has God put in my life? That, I, that I'm not loving right now because I'm not speaking the truth of the gospel to them. I'm not proclaiming or demonstrating the truth of the gospel to them. Love's difficult because, it's a, it's because it means I have, to, I have to say the truthful thing. It means, it means I have to do the thing that's going to make it a little bit awkward. Um, it's a lot easier to just kind of let your friends just be who they are and not push religion on them or you know not just kind of upset what it is that they're doing but that's not love that's not love and so um with each other and with those who are not yet followers of jesus that's the question we're going to be asking what does love require of me god is love jesus is god what does jesus require of me at work at school in my family my boyfriend, my girlfriend, 
with my group of friends, in my small group? What is Jesus requiring of me? And if you're like, well, how am I supposed to know what Jesus requires of me? I thought you'd never ask. Watch him. Watch his life. Well, how am I supposed to do that? Again, great question. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John have all recorded what Jesus did with his life. And you look through that, and you see the places where he stopped, got down low, offered forgiveness, spoke truth, spoke healing, spoke forgiveness, gave his life. That's all we have to do. <laughs> uh, let's take a little bit of time, actually, around tables. And we're just going gonna, gonna to kind of pray for this. There, there's, this. This prayer can go a lot of different ways, but... Um, Pray that God would reveal to you who it is that he wants you to love in this particular way. I mean, God, who have you put in my life that I'm not really doing a good job loving right now? And who it is that, that you want me to love? It's probably going to be somebody who's really difficult. The spirit of God will bring that to mind. Um, maybe you can pray about ways that God would help you to, to love those who are around you in this community. And that this community would be known as a people of sacrifice and love and and service, and mercy, and grace. Um, yeah, maybe you just want to just start with that question, God, like, what is, Jesus, what are you requiring of me? And maybe, maybe it's even a time where you're just quiet, and you just listen to God for that. Um, maybe you need to be reminded of how much you are loved by God, and so you just, you just want to ask God that. Father, I just, am, I don't feel secure in, in my sonship, or my daughtership. I don't, I don't feel loved, or um, I, I, I'm confused about who I am, or I don't feel free, or I don't feel purposed. God, would you make that clear to me? God, I, I, your perfect love that casts out fear, I'm not experiencing that right now. Pray for that. So what we're going to just use as a banner over really this year, um, just how we are loved, who we are because of that love, how that love sets us free and how that love has purposed us in an extraordinary way.